Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Israelites' life are signing trumpets for the last time to commemorate 
rest God has prepared for his people. A new beginning, a new day, a new year. This is their new year. But this day is also a celebration of another day that was announced with the trumpet sound. That was announced the coming of the Lord. Uh, you sound trumpets to announce something significant. They announce a warning, letting you know an enemy is coming. They announce battle. Get ready, prepare yourself. They announce the entrance of a dignitary or a king. Trumpets call for your attention. And there was a day when the trumpets sounded, and not from the lips of men, but from the lips of angels, as God descended on Mount Sinai in the flaming fire. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Before we do, in our story, as we've been following the story of the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea, uh, through this story we call the Exodus, we need to find out what happened leading up to this moment after they crossed the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 15, verses 24 through 27, it says, When the people complained and turned against Moses, they got let him out of the sea to get to this wilderness, and all of a sudden, they, they don't have water, they don't have food, they don't have the necessities that they needed. And so they begin to grumble and complain. So they turn on Moses, what are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water that was there. It was bitter. And this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard test for their faithfulness. To him. They come upon this body of water, it was bitter, they couldn't drink it, and they couldn't drink, but God, through a miraculous sign, purified the water. And so now, God, after he purified the water, this is what he said. He says, if you will listen, somebody say listen. listen. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obey suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elim, and there they found twelve springs and seventy palm trees. They camped there beside the water. You see a picture of the palm trees there. This is still in existence today, and the twelve wells are still there where they camped. God led them to this place of refreshing God says, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, listen to his commands, obey his decrees, no plague will touch your house. No pestilence will come near your home like it did to the Egyptians. You will not find cursing but blessing, just as you're finding now in this place of oasis. You will not experience pain but be immersed in the healing of the Lord if you listen to the voice. God continues to lead them. They were complaining about water. The next phase of their journey, they again run out of fresh water, they run out of food to eat, so they begin complaining about their sustenance again. Just after the miracles of the Red Sea, and even this miracle of, of turning the bitter waters to fresh, but yet Moses goes to the Lord and God provides a way to heal the waters. He says to the people, listen to me. Always be blessed. There's a message in this to us. This is verse 27. God was inviting the nation of Israel into a supernatural, otherworldly 
relationship with their creator. A relationship and an experience. While everyone else is dying to get water, they're flourishing and just living by. All we have to do is listen. You see, beloved, God does not speak to harm you. God speaks to heal you. He doesn't instruct you to ruin your fun. He instructs you that you may have life and life in abundance. To the overflow. They leave the oasis of Elam and head into the wilderness of sin does not mean sin like we think of making a mistake or or doing something God doesn't want you to do. This word sin comes from the name Sinai, and it literally means a desert place of clay or dirt. It's a wilderness of desolation. They get there one month after leaving Egypt, and again, they begin complaining against Moses and Aaron because they have no food. First it was no good water, now it's no good food. And God provides bread from heaven called manna. It's this you know, flaky uh, substance mixed with honey. And then at night, he provides them flesh to eat. He makes millions of coils swarm out of the sky to land in the camp for them to collect. Water to drink, flesh to eat, manna to eat. And God, in his provision, he gives them an instruction. With the manna, he says, for six days, you'll gather manna in the morning. You'll gather all that you need for the day. But don't gather more than you need for that day. Just gather just enough. On the sixth day, you'll get a double portion because I'll provide manna on the seventh. And if you gather the double portion on the sixth day, you'll have enough to feed your family on the seventh. Because the seventh day is the day of rest. It is a gift to you that you would not labor or struggle or have trouble or trial. But yet, there are still some who try to gather more than they needed and woke up the next day in the night. There were some that didn't heed God's word on the Sabbath and went out to collect. And the anger the Lord. They left the wilderness again and came to a place called Rephidim, a place where there was no water. They began to complain to Moses again. Moses, how are we going to survive? Did God lead us out here just to die? You know, how, how are we going to survive? What are we you know, going to do if we have no water? So Moses again goes and pleads to the Lord, and God leads them to this place called Horeb, that giant, massive rock. And God says, Strike the rock. And when Moses strikes the rock, water bursts forth. A torrential bursting forth splits the rock. And on the screen, you'll see the very rock at Horeb, where water split the rock. And all the rocks below are actually eroded by water. There's so much water that came out that it eroded the rocks beneath it. And a land desolate made of clay stone. In Exodus 17, 7, Moses named this place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? Is God here with us or not? Yes. See, every time they ran into obstacles, every time things didn't go their way, every time they felt pain, It was fear and doubt on display. So much so that any discomfort prompted them to want to abandon God and go back to Egypt, their place of slavery. Beloved, don't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same thing? 
When we're caught in a crisis, don't we ask God the same questions? God, where are you? Why aren't you doing anything? I'm feeling pain, God. Why aren't you coming in here and, and taking care of this situation? Why would you let this happen to me? What did I do to deserve it? And we can become overcome with feelings that want us to give up on our faith and listening to the voice of God, obeying his decrees and going back to our old ways. Even though we know God has said, if we listen to him and obey his commands, we will find healing and rest. Two months after leaving Egypt. They come to the wilderness of Sinai. And they set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai. And God speaks to this people. God tells Moses, and he gives him this message to relay in Exodus 19, 4 through 6. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For the earth belongs to me, and you will be my nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. God has led them to the base of this mountain, a place of consummation where this relationship is going to be ratified in all of history, in all of creation, where he's offering Israel the opportunity to enter into this covenant relationship. And if they agree, he's going to set them up as a kingdom of priests, a holy nation that will be charged with leading the world into the glory of God. A world into the worship of God Almighty and into the blessings of those who love Him with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is this invitation. And so, Moses relays the message that people agree, yes, we'll do everything you say, God. We will do this. And so God, or Moses relays the message to God and in verse 9 of chapter 19, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses. So the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. So the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. God tells Moses, he's getting ready to tell them to consecrate the people because he's coming. He is about to come. Why? So the people themselves can hear his voice. God says, if you listen to my voice, O Israel, you'll dwell in healing. To Moses, I'm going to talk with you where they can hear me so they can personally know my voice and know you're the one I've chosen to lead them. So, though Moses was their leader, having a leader is no substitute for your own personal relationship with God. He wanted them to trust Moses, but he also wanted them to be able to discern that their leader was hearing from God. He wanted them to recognize God's voice themselves. He wanted them to know if someone was trying to lead them astray. And I believe this is true for us today. God wants you to know His voice. He wants you to hear His voice. He wants a relationship with you like He does His very own child. So Moses consecrates the people. In verse 10 it says, The Lord told Moses, 
Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothing and be sure they are ready on the third day. For on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Don't go up to the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up to the mountain. You have to be invited into the presence of God. You cannot force your way in there. But God says, I'm coming. And I'm coming to you. Moses instructed them to avoid any behaviors that could cause them to be ceremonial ceremonially unclean. You can read the rest of the passage where he tells them to stay away from this, avoid this, prepare yourself, clean yourself up. Is it because God wanted them to look shiny on the outside? No. The reality is God, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. But often our exterior reflects what's going on in our interior. And in this moment, what God is telling Moses to tell the people He's telling them, if ever you wanted to take an encounter seriously, if ever for any moment you were going to prepare for an encounter, this is the moment. Amen. If ever you were to lay yourself aside and make way for the King of Kings, this is the moment because it is the Lord of all creation that is coming. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Ancient of Days, the Righteous and Holy One, the Great I Am, the God of all the gods. Yes, yes. Amen. It is He who is coming. If you're gathering yourself together and want to show honor and respect any time in your life, this is the moment. Don't shrug it off. Don't take it for granted. And honestly, beloved, we gather with God every weekend of our lives if you're a part of the church. How often do we consecrate ourselves to meet with the King of Kings? How often do we prepare ourselves for who we're about to encounter. What are we looking for more on the weekend? An encounter with God or meeting our friends at the bar? What are we looking forward to more? An encounter with God or binge-watching our favorite shows? What are we looking forward to more? An encounter with God or going up north every weekend and just not having enough time to worship? What are we looking forward to more? An encounter with God or a one-night stand? An encounter with God or the extra work hours I can put in because I have too much debt to afford my way of life? What are we looking forward to more? We've been called to come out of the world, beloved. Come out from among the world. But many believers today only want to immerse themselves deeply in I'd rather be in of God than stand at the foot of your mountain. Amen. James 4.8 says, come close to God and he'll come close to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between who? God and the world. A sad but true fact in our days, there is more in the world in the church than the church in the world. Look at the news. Look at your world. Where's the church? Where is it? Why don't we consecrate ourselves? It's because we're divided. We've let the world dictate what's important, what's cool, what's fun, what's priority, and we've not measured the world by the word of God. John says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Paul, even before instructing on the communion, he says, before coming to the table of the Lord, you should take a, a, an inventory of yourself to see if your heart is prepared, to see if you've not been taking advantage of the body and blood of Christ rather than honoring it at the table. Because to abuse the body and blood of the Lord is to bring the cursing upon yourself. And I think what we really struggle with today as Christians in this day is that many of us are still just longing to go back to Egypt rather than being eager to follow the Lord into the promised land. Because honestly, we cannot tell which one is better. We can't tell. We've not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Moses consecrated the people so they didn't mess out on the encounter. And I wonder... What might we experience as the church of Jesus Christ if we would consecrate ourselves every week we come to meet him? If passion for his house and zeal for his presence, if desperation for his touch so overwhelmed us deep within that everything else seemed like an inconvenience, what might we encounter? We come forgiving those who have hurt us not holding on to bitterness. We come repenting of sin. We come living each day as a living sacrifice of praise. We be starving for the word of God in time we can get along to, to come to him in prayer where anything other than his presence just seemed like a ridiculous inconvenience. God, I know I gotta get this through the day, but I can't wait to get back into your presence again because in your presence there is joy. In your presence there is peace. In your presence there is every satisfaction of the longings of my soul. Amen. The thing is that a heart like that is always walking in the presence of God. Because the focus is being occupied in the Spirit. Moses consecrated the people so that God could have an undivided attention. Exodus 19, verse 16. God descends in the It says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like the smoke from a brick kiln. The whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai, called Moses to the top of the mountain, and so Moses climbs up the mountain. If you can picture this in this moment, a fierce hurricane-force winds, an engulf-raging 
fire, blazing fire on the top of the mountain, a fierce earthquake, lightning and flashing smoke all around. God descends in fury, and yet this is yet a glimpse of his glory. Just a glimpse of his glory. The sound of the ram's horn, trumpets being blown by the angels. This is a glimpse of this great and glorious king that we serve. And here in this moment, God begins to speak and he gives the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments. With this in mind, I just want you to watch the screen for just a couple of moments. Pass on the third day in the morning, that there were thunders and lightnings, and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Mount Sinai was altogether on the smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's.
seeing the glory of the Lord, hearing his voice, my heart aches to see the glory of the Lord. Psalm 29, 3-9, it says, The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. And in the temple, everyone shouts, What, beloved? Glory! Glory, Glory to the Lord, whose voice is all-powerful. The glory of the Lord descends on the mountain. The voice of the Lord speaks and the people quake in fear. As he's inviting them into this relationship, and as the ache of my heart just burns when I read this encounter, it saddens me deeply what the response of the people of Israel is. In verse 18 of chapter 20, it says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling in fear, and they said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us. You Moses, don't let God speak, just you. God said, listen to my voice and obey and you'll live in blessing. Consecrate yourself to meet with me so you don't miss the encounter. God shows up and the response is spoken out of fear, but the response is, we don't want to hear God. We want to hear the man. We would rather live vicariously through you, Moses, in your relationship with God. Moses, you have a relationship with God, and we'll just do what you say. And how many followers of Jesus Christ say the same thing every day? I don't want to hear from God. I'm not going to open my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'll just listen to what the pastor has to say. I'm not going to get on my knees. I'm not going to seek the Lord. I'll just listen to a podcast and hear from someone else. I'll live vicariously through the life of other people. I'm not going to pray for healing. No, I'll just live through those that do pray. I'm not going to tell anyone about Jesus. I'll just live through those and celebrate their testimony. I'm just going to stay right here in my, the safety of my own little comfort. Because God, you're too much for me. It's fear that is crippling the body of Christ. It's a spirit of fear that is crippling our faith. It's fear that says, no, God, I'm going to sacrifice the great things you have for me and just celebrate what you do in other people's lives. Aren't you tired of living in fear? Aren't you tired when you see all God has prepared for you? When you see everything he wants to do in you, aren't you tired of caring what other people think? Of what this world has to say? Or the men?
wickedness that falls way short of the glory of God. We take this invitation of God to be his prophets to the world. That's what the invitation was to Israel. Listen to my voice. Be my priest. You will be prophets to the world, declaring my goodness to all the world, inviting the world into my goodness. And we have received the same invitation through Jesus Christ, but yet we take this invitation to the, be the prophets to the world, a nation of holy priests, and we say, no, thank you, God. It's too hard to look past my shopping cart at the person next to me and say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? It's too hard. That's not my personality. That's, that's, that's not how I'm wired. I, I could never do that. It's fear. Fear. When God says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God says, if you receive power, you'll be my witnesses. Fear is crippling the church. And we're responding the same way Israel did. No, God, not me. I'll just live through the faith of other people. Moses responds to the people in verse 20. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For God has come to you in this way to test you so that you will what, beloved? You will fear him. And that will keep you from sinning. You'll fear the Lord. Fear God. What can man do to me? Fear the Lord, what can my friends say to me? Fear the Lord, what can the government dictate over my life? Fear the Lord, and you'll be free. See, a personal relationship with God where you fear God and you respond in passionate obedience and worship is what will keep you from falling and from sinning. It's giving into fear that opens up the opportunity for compromise. Fearing God more than fear will keep you from compromise. Before God arrived, he instructed Moses to create this barrier around the mountain and instructed anyone not invited to cross the barrier to be instantly put to death. No mercy. But yet, you and I, beloved, have been invited into the presence of God. Ephesians 2.14, it says, Christ himself has brought us peace. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own body on the cross, with his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. There is a wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Jews were the chosen people. The rest of the world they forsook. Jesus smashed that wall of hostility, uniting the two together. At the same time, the veil in the temple was rent, and now what separated the world from the presence of God was destroyed. It would be like us coming up to that barrier and saying, in Jesus' name, and the barrier falls down, we walk right up to the glory. Amen. That's why Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly, without fear. There we'll receive mercy and find grace when we need it most. Some of you need mercy and grace, but it's fear keeping you from the blessing. See, now all who are covered by the blood of the Lamb may approach the mountain of God with hallelujah. But it doesn't end there. One day, as you read in the story, 
Moses gets overwhelmed with his task of leading his people, and he goes to the Lord and asks God for some help. And so God decides to take some of the anointing that's on his life, the prophetic anointing, and put it on 70 others. So he tells them who to call up, and their numbers are called, and they gather at the mountain, except two guys stay in the camp. And at the time, God pours out a spirit, the, the 68 on the mountain begin to prophesy. The spirit comes upon them, and then the two guys in the camp begin to prophesy too. They were hiding from God. But God, you know, you can't hide from God. You want to know why they never invited Jesus to play hide-and-go-seek? Because if he was the one hiding, he'd never find him because he knows where you'd never look. And if he was counting, he'd know where you were before you got there. He'd be like, James, come on. I know you're behind the rock. I can see you. I'm all the way I'm everywhere. I can see you. Now, you can't hide from God. And so here these guys are in the camp. They begin to prophesy. And a guy that was loyal to Moses was like, oh, not on my watch. And he goes to tell Moses, you know, and say, these guys aren't going to do that. So in Numbers 11, 29, he tells Moses, but here's Moses' response. He says, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. I don't want to be the only one. I might be in leading, but I don't want to be the only one. It's too much for me. I wish all God's people were prophets. Everyone heard his voice. Everyone declared the words of the Lord. That the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. That was God's intent when he invited Israel to hear his voice. To be the prophets of God. To be the mouthpiece of God to the world. And they rejected it. Moses' prayer echoes God's heart that all God's people would hear the voice of God and speak the voice of God. And God heard Moses' prayer. And 1,400 long years after this moment, in Acts chapter 2, verses 15 and 18, after Jesus dies and rises again, promises an outpour of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the disciples, 120 of them, are gathered into one place. The Spirit is poured out. Signs and wonders begin to explode. People think they're drunk because they're so overcome with the presence of God. They're speaking in tongues, they're prophesying. And Peter gets up and preaches a powerful message, and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ in one day. It is a miraculous day. Wish I could be there. But in that message, here's what he says in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. He says, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. That's fine. <laughs> no, what you see was predicted by the prophet Joel long ago. What did he predict? God spoke this to his prophets. He says, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, they will prophesy. God, through the prophet Joel, is fulfilling a prayer uttered 1,400 years before from the mouth of Moses. That God's people would hear and they would speak the voice and word of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. All who have a relationship with God are the prophets and priests of God. And God has given you the ability to hear His voice, to know His will, and the power to carry it out. All because Jesus removed the barriers of hostility between you and the Lord. And the
removed every barrier. By his wounds, we've been healed. What God invited the nation of Israel into in Sinai, he has brought the church into when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a new covenant. And there's also a mystery that involves Sinai. Yes, Sinai was a physical place. We saw it in the video. It's a physical mountain with a physical that represents a future spiritual reality. That when the people of God come to meet with God, when the people of God consecrate themselves to the Lord, and they come to encounter the Lord of heaven and earth, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 says this, that you today have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. No, beloved, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of God. Look at what he says in verse 25. Be careful you do not what? Refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us in heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a When we gather, when we consecrate ourselves, let us recognize who it is we've come to meet and who it is that is speaking. And let us worship Him with awe and wonder. For God is a bound fire. We should consecrate ourselves to prepare our hearts. We should consecrate ourselves to prepare for the encounter of the Lord. We should not reject the voice of God. We should lean in. And today I believe God has a word of life to be spoken over us today. I believe God has an encounter. I think God has even a word for you to speak as his prophet. You have an open invitation to come before him and receive the word because he's removed all the barriers to his presence. The only thing that can stop you from an encounter is your heart. Is your heart. The only thing that can stop you climbing the mountain in worship is your heart. They were afraid because they refused to listen. Many believers followed suit. 
We fear what God may say, what He might ask us to do. I, I can't surrender to that, God. I don't know what I, what I might be getting myself into. Fear, fear, fear. It's our heart. So we close our hearts, close our ears, harden our hearts, and the blessing God has passes us on by. Oh, dearly beloved of God. My call on you today is hear the word of the Lord. Don't close your ears. Listen. Lean in. Consecrate yourself. Draw close to Him. Wash your hands and purify your hearts. Come before Him in prayer and fasting, weeping and repenting of sin. Second Chronicles says, If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I will cleanse their land. Purify yourself. Confess your sins. Seek the Lord. Come with praise and deep reverence and fear. Why? Because he is a devouring fire. The same God on the mountain is the same God on the cross. He is a devouring fire. Come before him. And he alone is worthy of our praise. And when you get a glimpse of glory, when you have an encounter with God, it's life changing. You won't be the same. We've come to this spiritual place. The word of God says heaven is open. God is here. We have come to a place where all the saints who have gone on before are gathered with us. We have loved ones that have gone on to heaven. They know the Lord. We're right here. You hear their songs of salvation. The angels that never cease to praise around the throne are here. You hear their songs of praise. The Spirit of God is here. Do you feel His comforting presence around you? The Father is here. Do you hear His songs of joy as He's rejoicing over you as His beloved? And Jesus is here. Do you hear His voice as He declares the truth over you in your life? Will you listen? Will you respond by giving Him your whole heart? Bow our heads and just close our eyes. We're going to worship the Lord. And I don't know what to expect. I have no plan. But I have a promise that God's going to move. And He's going to move in you if you don't hold back your heart. There's an old song that says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. So come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory for great things he has done. We're going to praise the Lord. Will you stand with me? As we go into a time of worship. You worship God as your heart moves. If you want to come down and kneel, if you want to get out in the aisle, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to cry, you want to weep, you want to sing at the top of your lungs, let's respond to the Lord. Let's worship Him in fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire.
help us at Vertical Life Church. We want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.